Dad, as we settle in for a night of VR Troopers, it reminds me of the time you taught me perseverance. When Ashley and I first started watching, we thought it would be a fun time. However, Grimlord and his weird need to catch those meddling kids has worn us down. As you once taught that Han Solo was right to cut the Tauntaun open, so does this lesson play out as we watch this silly and going nowhere show. clearly ripped off from a Robert Palmer music video, Jules. And I'm the designated 90s fashion show episode, Ashley. And this is Rangers Plane, where I, Power Rangers lifelong fan, take Ashley, now Power Rangers neophyte, through the world of Power Rangers. This month we decided to take a bit of a break and do another Saban product, VR Troopers. Oof. Mm. Shall I go into what it's about? I mean, if there is a plot to even speak about, sure. Uh, well, the plot that is to be spoken about is, while on a search for his missing father, Ryan Steele and his friends, Caitlin Starr and J.B. Reese, stumble across a lab lying to Professor Horatio Hart, a longtime friend of Ryan's dad, who is now a literal computer program. He reveals to the three that there is a virtual world where monsters are escaping from thanks to the dark villain Grimlord, and it is up to them to become heroes known as the VR Troopers to save the world. He also makes their dog talk for some reason. It's honestly the epitome of shenanigans ensue. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's the show. Um, we should note we've been watching this show for probably a month and a half, two months, because there are 92 episodes of the whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a lot of 92 episodes of noise. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know how to really describe the whole experience of watching VR Troopers, because you have the repetitive non-plotness of Power Rangers Season 1, but without a lot of the things that made Power Rangers work. Um, like, you don't have the catharsis of a big giant robot fight at the end of the episode. Which was, which was something you point out, I think, that, that is why I typically like Power Rangers and Sentai over some things. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh yeah, the cathartic robot fight. Yeah, and then, like, minus the ending where they were running out of ideas, it doesn't quite have the absolute bug-fucking sanity of Mass Rider. Like, yeah, they- Master Rider was not a good show, but, like, I felt like we were going insane watching every episode just because it was just completely bonkers, and VR Troopers didn't really have that. VR Troopers was pretty, uh, pretty much it was, it definitely felt like a syndicated action show. Yeah. In which, like, it wasn't, like, the syndicated sitcom thing that Mass Rider was trying to be. It was like, no, I was actually trying to be, like, Power Rangers and the more action aspect. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it got, like, real repetitive, minus, like, a couple of episodes that had to deal with Ryan's dad and finding him. Mm-hmm. Or my favorite, which is, you know, metal li- they ran out of Metal Lighter footage, so here's Spielbon, I think, was the other one. Yeah, like, you could tell when they were starting to run out of footage and ideas. Which is which is kind of interesting, because the, like, last episode is, like, a mix of it's over, but also there's a little hook in case they figured out what to do. Which they clearly never did, but yeah, it's like there's not really a... I would say this for either season ender. I mean, I would say that for really either season ender, but yeah, the season two ending just sort of, like peters out like it's even less of a climax than like the power rangers season one ending yeah or zeo you're the zeo ending (laughs) but but especially like power rangers season one where it just ends on like oyster stew god which is still one of i would say was what would be one of the worst endings until i saw vr troopers (laughs) 
Um, These Power Rangers went somewhere on, like, VR Troopers. Yeah, like, there's some plot developments in VR Troopers, like we said, with Ryan's dad. Which then, like, that finishes up by the middle of season two. And just sort of like, okay, well, your dad's alive, but he's gonna go off and research, so you won't see him anymore. Uh, we don't want to pay the actor, I guess. Yeah, but then, like, they still continue the Ryan doing his, like, dad monologues at the beginning of the episode. I'm like, dude, you know where your dad is. You don't have to, like, keep doing this. You Uh, showed up in the Christmas episode, for shit's sake. Yeah, like... Which, again, similar plot to what they ended up doing in Master Writer with the grandpa. Um, (laughs) I will say about season two, it's kind of hilarious. It's that, like, it doesn't really start feeling like season two, like an actual season two, until about seven episodes in. Yeah, right when they switched the footage, I think. Yeah, and it's just like, this would have probably been more appropriate for the beginning of the season, but okay. Because, like... They still have, like, the lag from the other footage, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, partway through season two, it's like, oh, Grimlord has new, uh, allies, quote, quote, for him, and then all of a sudden Ryan has a new outfit, and Caitlyn has a new additional power, and, you know, they find Ryan's dad, it's like, shouldn't this all happen at, like, again, in, like, episode one or two? The Caitlyn thing especially was very weird, because it happened, like, episodes way after when they- uh, introduced, uh, the one girl mm-hmm. that was supposed to be the evil, like, VR trooper. Right, yeah, had, the one played by Wendy Lee. <laughs> yeah, who definitely, definitely had lesbian vibes. Yeah, that haircut especially. Uh, and then they just were like, we're not gonna do anything any else with that character, even though she's super cool like Tommy. Right. Mm. And we're because, like, Caitlyn's whole... Because her counterpart in, oh god, I forgot what show it was, and we'll just put it in the notes. Uh, but, like, Caitlyn's, uh, I, I, like, that thing had to do with, like, Caitlyn's counterpart having, like, a twin sister that turned evil, and then she turned good, but they have the same suit, which is why Caitlyn has that weird twin power. Yeah, and so they explain it in an episode of Caitlyn getting a split personality vibe because of, like, a magic mirror. Yeah, magic mirror that Grimlord, I think, implied to kind of... Make the VR true. I don't remember. It was very weird. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what else we could really say about, like, the plot of the show. So let's just talk about the characters. So a very interesting thing about VR Troopers is uh, they have no designation or anything. They're just VR Troopers. Yeah, like, they do. They are, like, slightly color-coded with their costumes. But, like, they don't carry over that color-coding a whole lot to, like, their regular outfits in their day-to-day lives. Yeah. So, you know, they're just they're just vibing. <laughs> they're just vibing. Uh first one just vibing is uh as we discussed Ryan Steele, we have already kind of a little bit went into his dad issues, but damn, did it wear like wear on you when you're like 50 episodes in or something. Like even 30 episodes you're in, you're like god fucking damn it. Yeah, I know Do something. Yeah, I know that like dad issues are like a signature of like Chiplin's writing. Like, I watched Dino Charge, I know, um, but, like, Jesus, like, just 90 episodes, well, 90 plus episodes, rather, of Ryan Steele just being like, Dad, I miss you so much, here's, like, how I relate something that you taught me when I was younger that is vaguely related to this insane plot that, like, we dealt with this week. (laughs) Or it's not even tangentially related to it! Yeah, it's- Like, oh, man- like, like, the ways that, like, the mental gymnastics of how Ryan can manage to tie something that his dad taught him to whatever's happening in the show is almost as impressive as the way that they keep trying to, use, like, incorporate the Japanese footage into the show. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's just... I don't... Yeah, I don't know if I needed Ryan opening and closing all 92 episodes about... How much he misses his dad. Yeah. I think we got a break for, also, like, one episode, but that was it. Yeah. I I also want to say, like, the middle gymnastics of AEW stands who don't want to, like, admit that they booked their women's division like shit. Mm, that's also as impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, Ryan Steele's whole thing is that he's got dad issues. He's really good at um karate or is it taekwondo? I don't know if it's... 
That's what I think it's actually supposed to be karate, okay. but it's probably taekwondo. Though he does taibo at one point. Yeah. So I think it's just like martial arts, whatever looks cool to kids. Yeah, exactly. And also another signature of Ryan Steele is that he constantly wears vests all the time. <laughs> so from what I understand, it had to do with the costume department thinking that uh, like Brad Hawkins looked cute in vests. <laughs> it's just the fact that, he, like, for most of the episodes, he's wearing a vest. Yeah, that that is why. They just kept putting him in vests because the costume department was like, oh, he looks so cute in one. The other thing uh, I like to, like, I pointed out is, like, he is definitely a twink. Right. And he was definitely, like, a bottom himbo. Yeah, Ryan is, he's very good at karate. He's got a big heart, but it's like, he's definitely, um... Kind of hard, dumb of ass. Yeah. To the point that it's like, hey, not just him, but all three of the VR troopers, but Ryan especially. Ryan um, especially. Kind of fall the into the brain that. cells of the of of the show are from JB and Caitlin. Yeah, Ryan does not ha- have them. He does not sh- partake of the brain cells. Um, he does have very well maintained eyebrows. Like I don't know. If he manages to expend enough brain energy for that, or if he pays somebody else to do it, but I was impressed. That was something we kept noticing. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, wow, his eyebrows are great. Yeah, I mean, credit to Brad Hawkins in, like, the 90s. He was very cute. Like, he he definitely had leading, like, leading man in an action show, like, face. Yeah, he, he does. He was he was super cute. Yeah, um, I would probably say that more than uh than Austin Saint. Not Austin Saint John. <laughs> I I mean yes. Well, yes, but like I meant Jason David Frank because oh like, yeah that too because we oh, did yeah. watch the original like pilot presentation like when they were trying to pitch the show to networks, but they called it Cybertron. It was so bad, guys. Yeah. And it was like, it seemed like a very different show. Um, so th- the, the last thing mm-hmm. we noted, uh, because we decided that they are, like, each VR trooper is a, uh, on the, the bi triangle, uh, representative of the bi triangle, disaster bi, functional bi, distinguished bi, and they're in a polycule. We decided that Ryan's the disaster bi. Yeah, he is just. It's it's all because of the dad issues, honestly, and the fact that he's not very smart. <laughs> no. I think that's why he goes everywhere with JB. Yeah. Now, speaking of JB, we have JB Reese, who, while he also does martial arts, he is the computer guy. Computer guy. Uh, real quick, one of the interesting things is apparently, like... So, one of the things, I remember I went to a VR Trooper panel, um that um it was only uh the actor who played jb's who is uh michael hollander okay went by michael bacon in the 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 show Mm -hmm. uh he talked about and also other people in the crowd he talked about how like a lot of black kids go up to him and be like hey because of your character jb being in the computers i was totally into wanting to be into computers yeah that's pretty cool um yeah I, i remember our 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 mutual friend Jay, different Jay, uh, Smashing yeah. uh, Dashing Soul Jay, uh, talked about how much he enjoyed VR Troopers as a kid, especially JB. So, yeah, I can definitely see. Yeah, yeah I can definitely see how him and Zach from uh, Power Rangers could definitely have an impact, even though yeah. unfortunately, character-wise, they were not given a whole lot to do. Yeah, but no, that's just something I found interesting. Is just like uh, a lot of. Uh, because of the casting of, of Michael, uh, JB in- influenced a lot of kids. Yeah, I could, like I said, definitely see it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's basically his personality. He's often the computer guy. Uh, like I said, he's often with paired with Ryan and the smarter of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like, I know, like, sometimes when, like, Caitlin has something go on, they'll tease her about it. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, at least I could say about kind of their relationship as, like, a trio, you can tell that they are very close to each other. Yeah. Um, and it does, it feels a little bit more organic than, say, like, at least the first season of Power Rangers. Where they just forced a bunch of these kids together. Right. Um, he, he, one of the things that is brought up when JB does get kind of a thing is, um, 
He's kind of struggling to pay through college. Uh, it's only brought up when they need a serious plot point. Or the the Stranger Danger on the internet episode. Yeah. I'll, I would have to say, though, like, I feel like JB is, like, the second biggest plot driver in the show. And we'll get to who's the biggest plot driver in the show yeah. in a bit. But, like... There's a decent amount of plots that start uh, just because JB's doing something on the computer or JB creates a robot or <laughs> that yeah. and then that just causes a domino effect for the rest of the episode. Yeah, it's it's, it's basically he yeah, he's one of the big plot drivers cuz Ryan's only like plot driving thing has to do with his dad. Right. Uh sometimes stuff with the dojo, but like that's about it. Um yeah. Though like Oh, what was that point I was just about to make about JB? Um, oh, bookmobile. The fucking bookmobile. <laughs> like that's a, that's a, like that's a, something that comes up when we talk about like JB. Like sometimes mentions that he's like struggling to pay for college. Is that his dad runs a bookmobile program, and that literally becomes like a focal point for like episode six. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk more about that bookmobile when we get the odds and ends. But God, that is like pre primo season one VR Troopers is that bookmobile episode. Oh my God, yeah, so, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he does get kidnapped a lot, but uh, with Caitlin, and that has just has to do with the footage. He and Caitlin are from a completely separate show. Um, yeah, I feel like there's like a trade off between episodes constantly of like. There'll be an episode where something's up with Ryan, so JB and Caitlin have to, like, band together to solve the problem and save Ryan, or JB and Caitlin get kidnapped, or put in dire straits, and then Ryan has to go and save them. And again, it all ties back to the fact that this was cobbled together from two different Metal Hero shows. Yeah. I think it's, uh, that was Space Sh- uh, Sheriff uh, Scheider, mm-hmm. was their show. And yeah, it's like, uh, and then Ryan's footage was either, uh, Spielbahn or Metalighter. Okay. And it's just like, yeah, that, that normally what happened is, like, one of them would get kidnapped, uh, or, like, either Ryan or JB and Caitlyn would get kidnapped or something. It was just kind of weird. Okay. And then, uh, last two points is I definitely think JB was the top out of him and Ryan. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> that Definitely, like. Definitely, JB was the top, and he's the functional buy out of out of the polykill trio there. One hundred percent, because he is smart. He gets things done, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now we're on to the other big plot driver of the show, which is Caitlin Starr. Uh, she is the go getter reporter. Uh, I think uh, I think the paper was called like the Voice or something. The Underground Voice, yeah. Yeah, the Underground Voice, which was the main uh, paper at Crossroads. Crossworld Cross City. City. Crossworld City. <laughs> Crossworld. Something like that. VR Troopers eat my brain. Yeah, it's like, if we're a little bit, like, struggling through this episode, it's just because, like, so much happened in VR Troopers, yet so little happened in VR Troopers, so we're just sort of, like, struggling to really come up with what to say and so if we're not as eloquent or funny in this episode please forgive us <laughs> yeah please, please forgive us but yeah yeah caitlin uh she was definitely a the go-getter reporter and definitely kind of the smartest of the group um and because of like how she was the reporter and everything she often was the other person that got the ball rolling like if JB didn't have a robot it was caitlin had a scoop to go investigate yeah yeah exactly See, now I'm just imagining Caitlyn, like, that strip that Kate Beaton drew of Lois Lane and the Fleischer Superman cartoons, where it's, like, either Woody or Percy is standing in front of her, and she just grabs them and goes, You are in my way! (laughs) 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 Yeah, she she pretty much just gets the ball rolling on things, um, has, uh, all over the place fashion, but it's often cute, it's just puzzling i remember the one time where she she had a cute sweater and stuff on but she was at the beach yeah like yeah she was wearing like a sweater at the beach with like jeans was she wearing jean shorts then or she was just wearing jeans i think i want to say jean shorts because that sounds better than jeans but it was probably jeans 
Yeah, and then, like, there was another episode where she was wearing, like, a button-down cardigan, but it was tucked into her jean shorts, and then she was wearing suspenders over that. No, I think that was the beach episode. No, 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 that wasn't the beach episode. She did oh wear God. suspenders a lot, but that was a separate co- Like, I remember that. That that costume was separate from the beach episode. Because in the oh beach God, episode, she was wearing, like, a long-sleeve sweater with, like, a tie-dyed heart on it. Okay, yeah, it's all bleeding together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, she, she, it was like, it was cute, but some of it was just kind of puzzling. Mm-hmm. Like, why is she wearing that? Yeah, it's like, did the costume department hate her as much as they love putting Ryan in vests? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand either. Uh, kind of going to her being the smartest one in the group, she often, like, figures things out a little bit faster it feels like JB is kind of the technical wizard. Like, if it's technical or something, he figures it out. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if it's kind of a humanitarian figure out, it's Caitlin who figures it out. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's that and the fact that, like, her job, especially, like, leaves her to being very empathetic to the plates of people that come to her directly. Yeah. So, like, whether they're working as a source or they're, like, associated, sometimes associated with Ryan's dad... Like, with those one, like, that one episode with, like, the, the circus performers that were actually, like, research assistants. Oh, yeah, they were, like, they had, like, another, like, had a weird accent, and you're, like, oh, they're scugs or something. And, like, no, they were actually, like, people who knew of Ryan's dad. Okay. Uh, basically, yeah, their accents just felt like Wanda and Pietro in Age of Ultron. <laughs> Like that that weird, like vaguely Eastern European accent that you can't really place. Oh, <laughs> uh, so but yeah, I would definitely say, well, since we were kind of putting them on the 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 bisexual triangle or the bisexual chart, Caitlin is one hundred percent the distinguished by. Yeah, I guess we're moving on to our allies. We're kind of grouping them together because uh, you know there's a lot of them, but they each kind of have like a set of what they did. Now, the first one we're going to talk about is uh, Professor Horatio Hart and Tyler Steele, mm-hmm. which most of it was mostly Professor Horatio Hart. The fact that I had to, like, reread what happened to him just just messed with my fucking mind mm-hmm. is the fact that to, to, they were trying to explain Grimlord's backstory. Really only did it in a cliffhanger, but essentially it was Glim- Grimlord, like, fucked Professor Hart up so much that... Tyler Steele had to, like, put him in a computer. Yeah, which they don't explain how that even works, but, like, it's just sort of, just trust us. The wild thing about, like, Professor Hart is that, like, at least for, especially the first season, like, it gets a little better in season two, but for the first season, he is, like, he just sounds like he does not want to be there. <laughs> like, the only, only time he had energy in season one, I felt, was when he was being evil. Yeah, because it kind of let him, like, have, like, his own, like, personal thoughts would come out. And, like, I don't know if this is, like, a consequence of, like, I don't know if the actor was trying to act like a computer, or just did he literally did not want to be there, or if he was high, but... So- something went wrong that, uh, it got a little, like, he got a little bit more energetic in, uh, season two. I would not, I would not say by a whole lot, but a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so, so something happened where we were just amused. Uh, mostly, I'm like, I bet he did not want to be there. Right. Uh, like, oh, God, this job. At least it's a steady paycheck. Right. And then you have a note here that just says, lovers? <laughs> yeah, they were just, like, on a dig together and, and everything, and, and Grimlord uh, fucked them up. Yeah, so, maybe. like Maybe. We don't know who Ryan's mom is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? Ryan's mom is clearly out of the picture. Which only makes me wonder who raised Ryan? Like, his mom's out of the picture. Did his mom die afterwards? Was he raised by JB's parents? Like, what happened? Yeah, that's, like, I don't... Did they state how long his dad's been missing? Because, like, he clearly has all these memories of him, his dad as a child, like, when he was a child. So, yeah... Tyler's dad's been missing for a while, I think, but at the same time, like, the series might have gone into how long Tyler's dad has been gone. I just forgot to take note of it, and I'm not able to find it. Yeah. Uh, And then, obviously, like, as we mentioned before about Tyler Steele, is that, like, he, he, like, 
we see his digital presence and him in flashbacks, obviously. And then there's, like, the one set of episodes where Ryan thinks that his dad has been, like, brainwashed by Grimlord and is, like, one of his, like, monsters. Though they never, they never really come back to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they never confirmed if that's what actually happened. Um, and then, like, obviously he finds his dad. They're, you know, like, he's back for a few episodes. And then he's like, okay, I'm, I'm gone again. Bye. I gotta go research. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very weird, and uh, like so they were kind of like researching. I think the reality barrier or something. Yeah, like yeah. So, uh, so now we we move on to uh, uh, Master Tal Chong and Woody Stalker, uh, who are both the older adults in their lives. Uh, Tal is the uh, dojo owner, mm-hmm. and Woody is the paper uh, editor in chief, possibly owner of the paper. Mm-hmm. But at least he's the editor in chief, right? And he, he's more or less like mentors, uh, like adult mentors, and and just life in general, not just VR troopering stuff, right? Uh, how we we were like, oh, that is when when basically just found out Master Tal knew, uh, um, Tyler. Tyler and and everything. It was just like, what the fuck? And which is never brought up again, I think. Yeah, I think they go out for lunch like once after that, and then it's like never comes up again. <laughs> never comes up, but but we see kind of Tal's hidden like area of the dojo, and we're just like, is this a fucking head shop? Yeah, like I'm just like, is like Tal selling weed and weed accessories <laughs> like in his downtime? <laughs> That would explain so much about how, like, the dojo keeps up and running. Yeah, like, I think there's, like, one episode where, like, there's financial trouble for the dojo, but that's about it. You know, it's not like Ernie constantly falling into, like, debt because, like, he keeps giving the kids free milkshakes. Yeah. Or smoothies, rather. Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? VR Troopers destroyed us! (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little surprised they didn't bring up the connection to Hart and um, Tyler Steele more often, but, like, I also think that they probably didn't even think to do that until, like, you know, 40 episodes in, even though it it did like, oh, seem yeah. like yeah. that was carried over from the plot, the pilot presentation when it was Cybertron. Yeah. I think you meant Dow, you said Hart. No, I meant, like, they. I'm surprised they didn't bring up the Hart and Tyler Steele connection with Tal more often. That's what I was saying. Oh, okay. That's what you meant. All right, I'm sorry. Okay, it's fine. Um, and then uh, Woody just kind of is—he can be a very bit much, but he kind of mellows out from like idiot manchild, like editor in chief, to kind of more of like very eccentric editor in chief. Yeah, I think it's when they started bringing in other like comedic relief that they kind of took that off of Woody some. Um, because especially like when they. Because, like, the first, like, half of season one before they introduced Percy, which we will get to Percy. Oh, Lord. Um, Is that that, that he was kind of, like, the main, like, comedic relief for all of the scenes at the the newspaper. Uh, But kind of once we, you know, once we bring in Percy and he's the the fuck up of the show, like, that kind of takes the, that takes the onus off of Woody. And Woody is just more of, like... You know, kind of just a, a joyful weirdo. Yeah. Made a train at one point. Yeah. To, like, deliver like deliver weird dessert nachos to people. Yeah, the marshmallow nachos. It's like, you are an eccentric man. Yep. And he just dresses like a, uh, like a middle school teacher. Yep. I'm sorry. Uh, now we're on the Percy and Jeff. Oh. Oh, the bane of our existence. Yeah. For these two characters. So they're both kind of comic relief, whereas Percy's just kind of that horrible rich nerd that you fucking hate. Yeah. You know what? Elon Musk really is inside. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, Percy's whole thing is that he's the mayor's nephew, and, like, I feel like that is the thing that has gotten him through life without any real scrutiny up until this point. And he constantly acts like he's, like, this big, like, hotshot, like... He's always bragging about something that he did and did great at when it's very clear, very clear he's not really good at anything. Yeah. And, like, the whole thing about, like, he's like, well, I'm the best reporter at the paper. It's like, no, you're not. That's Caitlin. Yeah, you're, you're like, 
You're not even the second best reporter at the paper. You're barely a reporter. You're kind of just a glorified intern. Yeah. Yes. And it's so funny because I think in Cybertron he was like this big mean bully. Yeah, I don't remember if they had like if well if they had a character named Percy in Cybertron. Apparently they like the Jamie Jamie um Seth like he's a Seth Meyers adjacent guy. Oh, okay. Jamie Shepard or whatever his name was. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure Kurt will correct me on that later. Um but yeah, like he was in Cybertron. But yeah, it's, Percy's just like I don't really see, like, a point to Percy as a character besides, like, they wanted to have, like, a bulk and skull character for the show, so they just came up with this, like, dweeby character who didn't really have anyone else to really balance off of. And then, like, he just sucks up all the energy in the room whenever he shows up. Yeah, Percy just reminds me of, like, Patsy and Herbie and how, like... Every time Saban has tried to do a Vulcan skull mm-hmm. outside of Vulcan skull, it just it's just something that sucks the room and you don't want those characters there. It's like like the very beginning Vulcan skull. We're like, oh, go away. Yeah, but like part of the reason Vulcan skulls overall worked is because Paul and Dr. Jason Narvi <laughs> Because I can't- We will give him his title! He earned it! But, like, yeah, Paul and Jason have great chemistry. So, like, you know, as dumb as Bulk and Skull were in season one, and you know my thoughts on Bulk and Skull in season one, like, the fact that they brought those characters back and kind of just let them evolve from there to the fact that I actually ended up loving them by the time they left the series, like- but like they like they have such great chemistry that it ended up working overall. Whereas like also also Jason and Paul are legit funny people. Yeah, exactly. Like you know you watch like them outside of Power Rangers, they're hilarious. But like yeah, it was just like I don't know what it is. And like the funny thing is, is that I thought the actor who plays Percy was Herbie's actor from Master Writer. I was wrong on that, obviously. Uh, but, like, you can see where, I, like, the confusion came in, because they're both these, like, skinny, like, dweeby nerds that feel like they're about five seconds away from, like, uttering the famous line from Goblins 2. <laughs> <laughs> now they're gonna eat me! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, yeah, because especially, like, what comes here is that Percy has nobody else to really play off of besides, like, Woody, and Woody is just mostly, like, there to be more of a boss than like you know they're not working really in tandem with each other or jeb or jeb oh god okay who basically it's like how can a dog like torture someone so so jeb was created i don't know what it was with the spinoff like things of trying to capture power rangers magic Mm -hmm. of having an animal sidekick for those two shows was around i don't think big bad beetleborgs had an animal sidekick but it was just like, what if Furbus could actually talk instead of going, mommy, yummy? Yeah, and it's, but instead of being, like, cutesy sounding, he sounds like an old man at the corner of the truck stop bar that has been smoking two packs a day for the last 40 years. What is that? What, uh, Kurt pointed out it was trying to be, like, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and it's just like, why does this dog, why did you decide to give this dog a creepy accent? And just kind of just make him, like, kind of a creepy weirdo. <laughs> like, like all Deb Je- Jeb does is complain. Uh-huh. Uh, he is snarky, but it's not really in a funny way. It's like, God, you're annoying. Or, at first he terrorizes uh, the mayor's wife. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's so weird. Like, yeah, she's snotty and everything, but why are you, like, actually giving her psychological damage? And then, like, uh, when they write those characters out, like the mayor and his wife, and they just bring in Percy, he, like, shifts his focus on exclusively torturing Percy. And it's just, it's so bad. Yeah, and then, like, they have, they have these really bad cartoon effects to, like, oh, Jeb, too. I don't know why. Like, who decided this was a good idea? Like, the bug guys are the worst, the teeth. Oh, God. Well, thankfully, the teeth only happened in one episode. But, oh, that was, that was nightmare-inducing. <laughs> oh my god so my my thing on jeb was eventually they just kind of wrote him out learned him less and less i think as they didn't want to deal with the handler fee and stuff like that for the dog right 
Uh, but, uh, I truly wanted this dog to die. And if you know me, I love animals to death. Mm, it's true. I, I love animals. And I'm like, can Jeb and Percy just both get hit by a car and never return? Yeah. And it's just like, I'm trying, I keep trying to figure out, like, what exactly the void they're trying to fill with Per, like, not Percy. I mean, with Jeb. Like, are they trying to make him kind of like an Alpha 5, but not as helpful? Because, like, at least Alpha 5, no matter how you feel about Alpha 5 or Alpha 6, they serve a purpose. Like, yeah. they are there to be an assistant to Zordon. And, like, Jeb is neither helpful nor cute. So what are we even doing here? Yeah, like, ugh. Because at least with, like, Furbus, I could kind of see that they were trying to go for cute and just, like, missed the mark entirely. Yeah, it just became, like, a Freudian nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Maybe not Freudian, but definitely a nightmare. Yeah, some sort of psychological torture. <laughs> um, um, so we're finally on the villains, uh, with Carl, Zichter, and Grimlord. And how I would describe them is, if you made Elon Musk a Saturday morning villain. Yeah, like, his whole thing about Carl Zichter is that, I don't know if he got, they don't really explain if he's, like, that you know the virtual being Grimlord disguising himself as a human, or if he was like a human who gained like the virtual being powers. They don't really say, but his whole thing is that he's just this cartoonishly evil billionaire who like just wants to fuck up the lives of everybody around him to make more money. So you know, like a true capitalist. Yeah. It's kind of funny. He he actually is a true billionaire in how they are. Yeah, and so, like, he would come up with these weird convoluted villain plots just because, like, you know, he wanted to, you know, tear down the forest to build, like, a, you know, a park or something like, like a building. Or, you know, he just was mad at the VR troopers and just wanted to ruin their day. And um, as we mentioned here... Uh, earlier with the bookmobile episode, <laughs> yeah, is that he basically what doesn't want children learning to read for pleasure so that they learn things. <laughs> Specifically, how to do solar paneling. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted to destroy all the libraries so nobody could learn solar paneling. Not like that. That was his only concern. Not like going through like active censorship of solar paneling or solar energy texts. Like, all libraries need to go away so he, like, nobody learns how to use solar energy. Starting with this bookmobile. I was like, what? (laughs) Also, I think they do go into how it happened, but it's like, it's very, because it's the episode where they kind of explain why, like, Tyler went away and and Hart, what, what happened to him and everything. But it's more like, was... Grimlord, just Zector in disguise, or did Zector, like, go on the dig and was like, aha, well, I found this and I get ultimate powers. It's not, it's kind of unclear. Because they at least explained it with Master Org and Wild Force at some, you know, about, oh, how did this evil person become evil? I mean, we all know it's because he's a brony frenzoni. I just want to know if, like, Zector was, like, an evil rich bastard who decided that he was going to become an evil rich superpowered bastard. <laughs> I like to think that, honestly. Yeah, like, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, you can't convince me that if Elon Musk found a way to get become an evil, super-powered Muppet, like, hell-bent on destruction of the entire world, that he would not do it. <laughs> Just imagine Elon Musk being like, forces of darkness empower me! I don't know how he sounds. I, 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 I don't know how to do a South African accent, so I'm not gonna bother. Um, I'm not gonna bother either. But yeah, and then like, there was this also the weird, this is one of the weirder episodes towards the end, because towards the end of VR Troopers, it becomes a little bit more bugfuck, but mostly because they were running out of ideas, even to the point that they, there's an episode with uh, Michika Soga, and like, I couldn't even care. <laughs> I know, we're just like, ah. It's like, I just wanted to be over. But yeah, so like. One of those, like, insane episodes towards the end is that, like, there's an episode where Zichter is, like, threatening to, again, tear down a forest. And so, like, like, Caitlin, as part of the paper, challenges him to go on a camping trip 
with like kind of like the cross world city equivalent of the Boy Scouts. Yeah, with with Ryan and uh, JB. Yeah, and I think Caitlin's there too, because uh, they're everywhere together. And like, <laughs> so he agrees to go on the camping trip. Absolutely fails at camping because he's like a rich asshole, doesn't know how to survive in the wilderness. And then like towards the end, like because he's like he's trying to like convince everybody that he's like a compassionate guy and that he knows what he's doing so he can just tear down the forest without any question and then like at the end they show him like pictures of him absolutely like tripping over his own ass um while camping and he's just like oh i'll let you guys have this one and it's like what if you were actually you know as rich and bastardly you would just buy the paper and fire everyone yeah like or find other ways to keep those pictures from going, you know, getting out instead of being like a Scooby Doo villain, just being like, "Oh, you got me this time." I would have gotten away with you too if you weren't for your meddling kids. Yeah, exactly. That's the entire vibe. It's like it's that mix of like Doctor Claw and like a Scooby Doo villain, whereas like he gets messed up every episode and like he's defeated every episode, but he swears that he's gonna get the VR Troopers next time, and it never happens. The VR troopers. I also think. I think it was never like like they never found out Zictor was Grimlord. No, they didn't. Like, yeah. Now that you pointed it out, I just realized that, and it's just like, wh- what? <laughs> like, that's not fun. That's not fun. They they just ended the series, and I think the one episode you pointed out because uh, it had the uh, the woman that didn't talk and shit and all that, mm-hmm. like. That really set up kind of, like, other monsters on the grid, and they don't like Grimlord. I'm like, they had so much set up, and they're like, yeah, you, they, one, they never went anywhere wherever that plot afterwards, and two, yeah, they never found out that, like, Zictor was Grimlord. They're just like, well, that's just the billionaire in town. Yeah, and, like, they know that he's not a good person, like, and there's, like, even one time where he does, like, I remember there was, I forget, it was... It was like at the paper. It was like some sort of episode involving like a like a fundraiser or gala, and like okay, one it falls under that Power Rangers trap. If there's only two settings in this entire series, um, well, two indoor settings in this entire series: the dojo and the newspaper, and everything that happens in town happens at those two places. <laughs> yeah, and um, but yeah, so he's at the newspaper and he's giving this monologue about like. I don't know. And it just had that entire vibe of, like, a parent that tells you, it's like, well, you're gonna become more conservative when you're older, and you're just like, shut up, old man. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) I'm a leftist now. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's just so weird, and (sighs) my brain hurts thinking about this. (laughs) Yeah. So another thing we noted about Grimlord is that, you know, obviously he's Carl Zichter, half the time and then he does his whole like forces of darkness empower me take me back to my virtual reality and he becomes grimlord and you know everybody praises him and like the grimlord costume like the mouth could barely move and it it was even worse than like when they did the uh kind of new american version of it because they didn't get the the costume from um from metalighter they didn't get the costume from metalighter so they had to make a new costume and somehow the American costume, which was done like six or something years later, the mouth couldn't move even worse. Like, it, it, it barely articulated. At least Grimlord and, like, the other one could articulate. Yeah, and, like, and that was from the, it looked worse, the honestly, than the Metal Lighter costume. Um, oh, yeah. Which is just, kind of impressive. It, it, it was just gross looking, and it, I think it was trying to be a rat, because all of a sudden we noticed he had a tail. Yeah, because it's like some, like, it was in the Christmas episode, I think. And it was yeah. like, um, yeah, because it was just like, wait, has Grimlord had a tail the whole time and no one told me? <laughs> to, to be fair, in like the first season, Grimlord just sat on the throne. It's true, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, like, of course, there's all these other villains, too, that have names like Colonel Icebot and Doom Master and Despanda and Nightmare and, um,. They don't really do much of anything. <laughs> I remember how, and I even tweeted this. It's like I'm like, oh, there, I'm just imagining that there is a character named Colonel Icebot. 
Like, it was constantly on my, like, like head all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just imagining there's a character. There is no way they, they named a character something that stupid. And then all of a sudden, Colonel Icebot report! And I'd be like, oh. Yeah. And then, like, it was kind of disappointing, as I mentioned earlier, was that um, Spielbon, the main villain, Queen Pandora, was played by um, Machiko Soga, and they brought her in for one episode as uh, Despera's sister, Desponda, and she had a much better look, but nothing after that. Yeah, nothing. And it was just like, did they just avoid using Desponda because, like... They thought people catch on to the fact it was the same actress as Rita Repulsa. Maybe mm. uh, we can also look up if the if the character uh, tra- equivalent didn't last long. No, she was in forty four episodes. Oh, she then... was the villain of Spielbahn. So my guess is it's it's either that or they were too fucking cheap. Yeah, probably. Or a mixture of both. Yeah, porque no los dos. Yeah. Uh, so, so now we're on our kind of two honorable mentions. There's the reoccurring character Poindexter, who just he shows up like as a, a source for Caitlin, and they go on a date or something. And we're like, oh, we're never gonna see this weird nerd again, whose name, by the way, is Poindexter. That is his name. Yes, like he's and he like he looks ima- exactly like you imagine him. Like he like because Kirk compared him to uh, Jerry Lewis in The Nutty Professor. Yeah. Like, he's just over-exaggerated nerd is his entire vibe. Then I was, like, reading the Wikipedia page, because I'm like, how how much does Tyler show up in the series? Uh, because, you know, the dad issues. And then I'm like, wait, he shows up in other episodes, and we kind of freaked out. I'm like, no, that can't be happening. And then we, we saw the episodes that he showed up, and we're like, what the fuck? They just, it, it was like, he's like in the, one of the first episodes of season one, and I don't think comes back at all until, like, some episodes in, like, season two. Yeah, I think it's, like, three or four in total. And, like, and there is one episode where he finds out the identity of the VR troopers, and then they erase his memory. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not, uh, questionable. Um, and then, as we mentioned earlier when we talked about Percy, was that, like, especially in the first season, there was, like, reoccurring of, like, the mayor and his wife. And, like, one, his wife was a real Karen. I don't know if that was her actual name, but she was a definite Karen. Yeah, she was was 100% a Karen. And, like... Uh, With one of the nicest wigs, if I'm gonna be honest, that I've ever seen out of (laughs) Saban. Right? Um, yeah, and then, like, they they sometimes show that the mayor is kind of, like, in fear of Zichter, and seems to be in Zichter's pocket. Yeah. And, like, that... Could have been an interesting plot, but, like, no, we're not going to carry that through because this is Saban. <laughs> we don't want to pay for the mayor. Yeah, exactly. Um, So then the mayor just eventually disappears and that's how we get Percy. And it's like, okay. Eh. And I think there's, yeah, like, a, there's a couple of other reoccurring characters that, like, kind of that work with Zichter that show up. But they literally, they, they're usually just there to introduce how Zichter is gonna fuck up their lives this week. Or the McCavity guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he wasn't reoccurring, but, like, he was, that was still just really weird, is that there's an episode that involves, like, a jailbreak of this guy they call Nutty Nichols, and, like, they talk about how evil he is, but they don't actually say, like, what crimes he's committed. He committed all the crimes. Yeah, so, like, is he just, like, a human McCavity who he's committed every human crime? Like, murder and tax fraud? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... There's... That's why Zichter wanted him on board. He wanted to get away with tax fraud. Exactly, you know? <laughs> and that was, like, this would have been before, like, U.S. tax laws for billionaires are the way they are. Yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, so, like... Yeah, the Nutty Nichols episode is another, like, absolutely bugfuck one, because it, like, involves this guy who basically he just looks like a a run-of-the-mill mobster from, like, a Goodfellas knockoff. Like, and they keep talking about how evil he is, and, like, how he needs to be kept away from society. Which, weirdly enough, that episode makes a really good point that gets very close to prison abolition, but doesn't really get there all the way. 
about how like most people that are in jail are good people like you know they're people that like know they made a mistake and that they just need to like they they need a place to improve their lives so it's like so why are they in jail yeah i was like why are they in jail you almost made it yeah you're so close so close but like yeah, like, Nutty Nichols is so evil that he needs to be kept away from society. But it's like, but what did he do? Like, was he running, like, a traffic human trafficking ring? Did he just commit, like, a bunch of, like, copyright infringement? Like, what is it? <laughs> Money laundering, uh, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> he, he ran a wrestling promotion? Oh, uh, you know, those are truly evil bastards. Not all of them, but most of them. <laughs> most of them. Anyway, um, but yeah, so like, especially because he, like, but that's what I meant, is that he had this one reoccurring scientist character that really did nothing else besides, hey, I invented this thing. And like, Zichter's like, I'm going to use this thing to mess up the lives of the VR troopers. Like with the, yeah, pretty lo- with the love potion and- episode. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> the fucking love potion! <laughs> Sorry! Oh, we're, we're gonna. Why did they give them a love potion? Were they trying to make Caitlin fall in love with Zichter or something? Yeah, I don't. I did not understand. Like, I because like it's supposed to be like, oh, they'll fall madly in love with the first person that they see. So are they just hoping that she would like become so goo goo over somebody that like she would just take her out of the picture? Which did work, by the way. And it was Percy, and it was just like, why? And then Percy also ate the love potion. So it was, like, mutual. Um, it was a think- mutual guy got and they had to break the spell, and there was a fucking wedding that they had at the... <laughs> at, the at the newspaper office. Because, again, there's only two indoor settings in this entire show. And then it ends with just kind of, like, Percy finding his perfect someone, and it's just his actor in drag. And I just, like... And everyone's kind of like, eh. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. So, yeah, those are really all the characters we can find room to talk about in the show because, man, is this show repetitive. <laughs> um, uh, so, so going on our odds and ends, uh-huh. um, one of the things I, I did kind of, I will give it uh, much love for is the fact that uh, they kind of dropped the teenager thing really quickly. I think it was like only a first episode uh-huh. or so. Uh, that that they were like trying to be doing the teenagers with attitudes, and they're like, ah, no, that doesn't work. Let's actually make them young adults. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that definitely works better in its favor because, like, you know, everybody, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my feelings on how much I dislike the constant use of the high school as like a plot crutch. So, like, the fact that we don't have to deal with them being like overly goody teenagers that have to deal with being in high school at the same time and they're just kind of young adults who are like kind of moving their way through life like jb trying to afford college or like ryan trying to buy into the dojo or caitlin being like um you know star reporter and then like i think lifestyles editor for the newspaper yeah so like it was a nice change of pace especially like compared to something like mass writer where they leaned in very hard to the whole like they're in school thing Uh, as well as well as kind of the family sitcom yeah like yeah in defense of like yeah in defense of vr troopers they i did appreciate that they tried to go more with like trying to replicate what like what made power rangers work besides like Oh, well, okay, clearly VR Troopers didn't work, so when we do Master Rider, we're gonna go in a completely different direction. <laughs> Let's not make the animal talk. Yeah, mm. And then one of the things I brought up was uh, how, like, Zichter was always surrounded by girls that looked like ripoff from the uh, uh, music video, Might As Well Face It, You're Addicted to Love, or whatever. Yeah, and then, like, because those girls also showed up again in the Simply Irresistible video. That was just a thing for Robert Palmer, which is having these, like, very attractive supermodel-esque girls wearing all the same clothes and wearing the same makeup in his videos, like, playing the instruments behind him. Uh, in a time when, like, dudes that look like your dad could be rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was, just, it was just very interesting. And, like, we, we know later on in the series that they're usually just scugs. So, like, the fact that specifically the Skugs took this form when they are shapeshifters 
whenever they were assisting Zichter directly was interesting. It was interesting. I you uh, might you might as well other- call it a fetish. <laughs> Yeah, I think Zichter did have a fetish. Uh, he just watched too many uh, Robert Palmer music videos and was like, yes, I am into this. It's like, I that's the kind of rich asshole I want to be. Yeah. Um. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was kind of like the Skugs were everywhere. Uh, it, it was <sighs> 92 episodes and they kept falling for the fact that, like, they'll just run into people and be like, hey, why'd you, why were you a bunch of assholes and end up being Skugs? Yeah, and it's just like, it's like, kind of falls into the good is stupid trap, as Kurt pointed out when we were watching it, and like, definitely agree with that. Because like, okay, we know you guys are very good, you know, people who look out for your community and hold like 5 million fundraisers for things, because Zictor will not throw money to anything ever, uh, because capitalism. And, um, but... Yeah, the fact that, like, the Skugs will, like, always, always sneak into a building and pretend that they're somebody else and then reveal themselves to be Skugs. It's like, how do you guys keep falling for this? I, uh, the couple, I just remember, like, they also, like, would do monsters as Skugs or something, like, have a Skug infiltrate. I know, like, Caitlin went on a date with a Skug. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one got me is they would sometimes use children as Skugs. Oh, God. And I'm just like, kind of, I guess, if this was ever done in some sort of comic or something, is uh, kind of maybe talk about how the VR troopers might have some, like, paranoia-type trauma Mm -hmm. because of the fact that they had to deal with that constantly. Yeah, because it's like, I feel like that would mess up anybody. Um, I kind of compared it and, like... I am remiss to mention anything related to Rick and Morty, but I kind of compared it to the whole Rick and Morty episode with the with the memory monsters. Yeah. About how, like, they had all of these things, like, all of these people pop up, and, like, they had to tell who was real and who was fake based on if they had bad memories of the person. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's kind of how Skugs operate, but kind of less obvious. <laughs> Yeah. Or more obvious, rather. Because it's like, okay, clearly this ev- this person who has decided that they are just walking into the building is, like, clearly a skug. Why have you guys not caught on to this? Yeah. This is, it was so weird. Except for the one time that it truly was a Karen that just was mad that her son did not advance in the karate program. Yeah, because she's like, I pay all of this money and he doesn't have his blue belt yet? It's like, well, maybe your kid just sucks. <laughs> Sorry. I think that's what Ryan basically said. It's like, well, I don't think that your son's ready yet. And she was like, ah. And it's like, I didn't encounter any of that when I was in my McDojo karate, but I'm not, I would not be surprised if that has actually happened. Yeah, I didn't encounter that either. So. <sighs> this happened, a, this happens a lot, obviously, in the Saban series. Um, it was way more obvious when it happened in Master Rider, but it's especially obvious in VR Troopers whenever they swap to the Japanese footage. Yeah, because it's, it's like, it's, one, um, Saban was shooting on video, mm-hmm. which has a different type of compression than film. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into the complexities of that, because most of that part of my brain rotted. Right. Um. <laughs> It's eaten by brainworms or something. <laughs> so, uh, but they shot um, Toei when they were shooting a lot of their metal heroes and stuff back then. They did it on a uh, 16 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. So not only are you looking at the fact that you are definitely looking at the difference between film and video, but you're also looking at the difference between like video that was just shot and film that was possibly like seven or eight years old. Right. So, so it's like, it's de- yeah, it's degraded and stuff like that. So it's like, ugh. Yeah, and like, it's, it definitely felt like very similar to Master Rider in that regard of like when Master Rider was dealing with footage that was like a decade older. And like, so it was very obvious when they would switch to the Japanese footage. And like sometimes, um, especially in season two when they introduced Doom Master, like when it would swap to the Japanese footage, you could obviously tell that the actor... In the Japanese footage was very clearly a very different ethnicity than the actor playing Doom Master in the American footage. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Doom Master just became Japanese again. That's not weird. Yeah. 
<sighs> so I guess we're on our final final stretch of this, and it's our, our recommendation, and uh, <sighs> uh, it's <laughs> an experience. <laughs> if you're not watching for the sake of reviewing the show and just want to see how weird the early 90s were, Go ahead and watch it, especially the, uh, since this was a better example of trying to cash in on doing another Power Rangers type show. Um, it's not as goofy as Mass Grader or anything. Uh, for that, however, I would still suggest looking up an episode guide or asking for a recommendation of episodes. Uh, if you want a more in-depth analysis and look, I suggest checking out the podcast Take Me Back to My Virtual Reality where other people sit through this and do, like, an episodic review, and you're not actually taking psychic damage watching the show. Yeah, we have taken so much psychic damage, and we are we are dead now. This, this podcast is being done from the afterlife. Um, Pretty much. Yeah, I thought this wouldn't be too bad, and that's on me, because I had seen some episodes with Jules in passing prior to starting the podcast. But I guess the emphasis should be on in passing, it wasn't the worst watching experience I've ever had, but it definitely was 90 plus episodes of stuff definitely happening. It could have been worse, but my brain still feels like goo after the whole thing. All right, and that concludes our podcast, and we would like to thank the following people. As always, we want to thank Kate Nix for our theme. You can find her at Twitter and at Instagram at I am Kate Nix, and also her website, katenix.com, where you can find her Bandcamp uh, merch and streaming. Uh, Lullaby Lounge, her one-woman show, is currently on hiatus as Kate Ophidian and their adorable cat Winslow uh, settle into their new home that they just moved into. Be on a lookout for updates on her social media for when the Lullaby Lounge will return, but season five is scheduled to tentatively return March 30th. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to Joe Hunter for our podcast art. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Joe Bloody Hunter, Twitter at Joe underscore Hunter, and that is the same as his Patreon. Uh, you can also uh, buy one of his shirts uh, at joehunter.threadless. Uh, they're very nice shirts. I just recently got one. I think it's a Taco Corgi. Ooh. I think it's how you pronounce it. Taco Corgi. But it's a really cute shirt. And it, it came from a design that he, uh, from a comic he's doing with Lance Pitts called Beast Heart Strikers. And um, you can go pick that up. Uh, he uh, kind of took a big hit from COVID, so please go support him. Kurt Yoder for editing. We sell parlors at Great SG Creations. Please come hit us up for that. We have a lot of things to sell, especially we still have some backlog from the time we were trying to prep for a con and then that got canceled. We're still in the pandemic if you're listening to us fresh. If, the, if you're not listening to this fresh, oh god, this is weird. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, wrestler of the podcast, we love to say that Brody Lee, um, may your memory be a blessing, Brody Lee. He played an evil corporate boss on AEW, but was actually a wonderful individual behind the scenes before his passing. His shirts are still on sale at the AEW shop. Proceeds go to his family, and you can check out his old matches, whether it's uh, from Chikara or WWE, where he was Luke Harper, or AEW. All right, and then, as always, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at, at MissKittyF. I have a link tree on my Twitter account now, so that will take you an easy uh, link to go find my... Um, my shop where I sell masks and zines. I should be more actively promoting it now, now that I'm not dealing with the big gay giveaway. Uh, which, if you follow me on Twitter, that was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, so you, but yeah, you can find me on Gumroad and uh, itch.io where I sell my comics and zines. Um, I sell my masks and other things on Square, as well as physical copies of zines. Um, don't really have any events coming up because we are still in the middle of our uh, Panda Express at the moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, just come talk to me. I, I, I don't bite most of the time. <laughs> and again, you can find me on Instagram at uh, jjackets as well as my uh, Instagram for the cats, which craft in cats. I should probably update the cat one a little bit more. Uh, Twitter, my, uh, my handle is sins uh, number two hell. Uh, and, uh, I have a link tree there as well. You can come check out, um, a lot of, I'm going to probably put those up because I am also launching a shop on Square. Uh, that's a, uh, soap, soap and candle shop. You can follow it on Twitter if you're listening to this right now. 
uh, at Coda's Crafts. Um, Coda's just the so mascot for be, everything. <laughs> yeah, Coda's the mascot. Um, and uh, then we have, uh, of course, where you can find us with Ranger's Plane, which is uh, Twitter and Instagram at Ranger's Plane. And our WordPress is rangersplane.wordpress.com. Uh, we would actually, uh, we're actually tra- brainstorming on how to bring back the Patreon and other things, so stick with us on that. Alright, so tune in next month while we brave the storm with Ninja Storm. Stay safe out there. Mask up. If you're still watching, listening to us still in the pandemic. Uh, Black Lives Matter and may the power protect you. Go. Ninja's Plane.